All right, Disco 92 WK to you. By the way, actually, we have 50 degrees. That's 10 Celsius in New York. I couldn't finish it before, so I finish it now. It happens. Disco 92 WK to you. I got more music for you. But before that, I got to tell you, I'll be here until 10 o'clock. Now, if you really like disco, if you're into disco, you have to be into KTU and Paco. Because I haven't stopped dancing yet. I rarely listened to album-oriented rock radio when I was growing up. My love affair with music on the radio started with top 40 pop songs I heard on WABC AM in the early 70s. As I got older and my tastes changed, I discovered WKTU-FM in New York just as it switched to an all-disco format during the summer of 1978. Like a lot of others in the late 70s, I was bitten by the disco bug with the help of KTU DJ Paco Navarro. To be honest, as I moved from disco to new wave and ska and reggae, what we now call classic rock completely passed me by. And judging by the number of Led Zeppelin t-shirts worn in the hallways of my high school and the amount of Led Zeppelin music spilling from cars in my suburban New Jersey town in the early 80s, I was most definitely in the minority. Whether I liked it or not, Jimmy Page's guitar riffs and Robert Plant's vocal gyrations were indelibly hammered into my consciousness, even if I didn't know the names of their songs. As a new wave kid who completely ignored hard rock, I was completely caught off guard when I started hearing the song we Americans refer to as Dire Maker. More on that mispronunciation in a minute. It confused me that the kids in my high school who worshipped Zeppelin loved a song that sounded like a straight-up reggae one to me. Though I wasn't inspired enough to buy the Houses of the Holy album at the time, whenever Dire Maker was played on the radio, and it was played a lot, I secretly liked it. Hi, I'm Mark Wasserman. Welcome to I Don't Like Reggae, I Love It, a special audio series of the Skaboom podcast that focuses on the historical origins and impact of reggae on popular music that will explore the phenomena and cultural implications of cod reggae. Before I continue, I'm excited to announce that Fonz Music, F-O-N-Z Music, is now sponsoring the podcast. If you are a music fanatic like me, then you are passionate about playing and sharing the music you love through Spotify playlists. Fonz is a brand new way to listen to music on Spotify with others. The Fonz Coaster is a cutting-edge device that allows multiple people to participate in the same Spotify session. That means no more passing your phone around, switching speakers, or asking someone else to put on your favorite song. With the Fonz Coaster and app, all of that is taken care of. Just pick up a Fonz Coaster, link your Spotify account through the app, and start queuing and sharing your music. Honestly, I'd wish I had a Fonz during long van rides on tour with my bandmates when we were arguing about what song to play next. For more info, visit FonzMusic.com and type in the promo code SKABOOM. As reggae became part of the musical landscape in the 70s, more established white pop and rock artists began to experiment with it. Soon, direct musical influences like dub effects, reggae-style guitar and keyboard rhythms, and missing drum beats and sidestick began to find their way into popular mainstream music. As more non-reggae artists began to appropriate the sound of reggae, and white audiences responded, this new regatta de blanc, 
as the police called their second album, received a less than flattering name, Cod Reggae. It's a harsh but efficient way of describing reggae music reconfigured for a mass audience. But before we get started, you may be asking, what is Cod Reggae? The meaning of the word Cod is thought to have originated in the 19th century and is almost exclusively a British term. Cod, in the sense of joke, hoax, leg pull, appears in the early 20th century and features in James Joyce's portrait of the artist as a young man. Quote, some fellows had drawn it there for a cod. Cod also functions as an adjective. Bernard Scher's language quotes a politician on Irish TV news saying, quote, that's a cod argument. Everyone knew what they were voting for. So by definition, cod reggae means faux, joke, or nonsense reggae. In my opinion, you can't get much more cod reggae than one of the biggest rock bands in the world having a go at it. So let's dig into the story of Led Zeppelin's attempt at reggae, which would delight and appall their fans in equal measures. First, the song title, which is never mentioned in the song, should be pronounced Jamaica. Yes, for real, Jamaica, or Did You Make Her, but not Dire Maker. For years, American rock radio DJs called the tune Dire Maker. That's what I always called it as well, thinking it was a mystical reference to some supernatural being that could destroy everything in its wake. During a 2005 radio interview, Robert Plant clarified the actual pronunciation, explaining how it came from an old English joke. Person A, my wife's gone to the West Indies. Person B, Jamaica. Person A, no, she went on her own accord. The band's recording engineer, Eddie Kramer, shared that the band was amused that American radio DJs mispronounced the song title. Quote, I remember many DJs saying Dire Maker. The whole band used to get a tremendous laugh out of hearing American DJs trying to pronounce something which is a play on words. It's Jamaica. Did you make her? That's what it means. That's a track that was cut with a very distinctly Jamaican feel, and the lyric was a play on the sexual aspect. After recording the song, Plant was alone in thinking the song was a hit and was adamant that it be released as a single but he was outvoted 3-1. to one. Led Zeppelin's No Singles in the UK edict remained intact. The group also never performed the song in its entirety live. But it turns out Plant was right. The song was a hit when it was released as a single in America. It went right up the charts to peak at number 20 during the week of December 29, 1973. Since then... It's gone on to assume a ubiquitous presence on rock radio. Years later, Axl Rose of Guns N' Roses would cite hearing the track as the moment, quote, that got me into heavy rock. Now that's funny. I guess Axl is a closet reggae fan after all. Remember when he asked Guns N' Roses to give him some reggae?
guitarist Jimmy Page was surprised that listeners didn't, quote, get the song. During a 1977 interview with Trouser Press, Page seemed befuddled that listeners didn't pick up what Led Zeppelin was trying to lay down with Jamaica. Quote, I didn't expect people not to get it. I thought it was pretty obvious. The song itself was a cross between reggae and 50s number Poor Little Fool, Benny King things and stuff like that. The song was written during rehearsal in 1972 when drummer John Bonham started out with a doo-wop beat that turned into an offbeat reggae sound and the band ran with it. Page's guitar picking and John Paul Jones's bass work touch on elements of an authentic reggae rhythm, but were offset by the assault of Bonham's big rock drums. In hindsight, the song can't seem to make up its mind what it wants to be, and maybe that's what makes it work on a certain level. The response to the song when it was released as a single in 1973 was mixed. Gordon Fletcher of Rolling Stone wrote in his review that the song was, quote, a pathetic stab at reggae that would probably get the Zep laughed off the island if they bothered playing it in Jamaica. Like every other band following rock's latest fad, Led Zeppelin shows little understanding of what reggae is about. Jamaica is obnoxiously heavy-handed and totally devoid of the native form's sensibilities. Ouch. In retrospect, music critics have softened their criticism of the song. A 2013 review timed to the 40th anniversary of its release said, quote, Rather than try to be a reggae band for a little part of the album, the band opt to variate on a theme they know they'll never quite grasp. This is evident in the music itself, which is incredibly simple and at times nondescript. Yet underneath all these boilerplate composite parts lies a tongue-in-cheek energy that's admirable. That said, Led Zeppelin have been dogged for most of their career as having a reputation for stealing and plagiarizing songs from obscure sources and then claiming them as their own. This includes When the Levee Breaks, originally done by Kansas Joe McCoy, Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You, which was originally performed by Joan Baez in 1963 and written by folk singer Anne Breeden, and Whole Lot of Love, which was originally called You Need Love and written by Willie Dixon. There are so many instances of song plagiarism by the band that someone could and should do a podcast about it. As it turns out, Jamaica is no exception. Noted reggae DJ and historian Carter Van Pelt, who I interviewed for my book, recalled in a post for the reggae website Boomshots in 2014 that while he was spinning Forgive Them, Lord, by B.B. Seaton of the Gay Lads at a DJ gig in New York City, one of the patrons at the bar said to him, that's the Led Zeppelin song. Van Pelt wrote, quote, I had never noticed before, but in a flash it was obvious Robert Plant's five-note vocal melody from Zeppelin's cheeky Jamaica is right there, clear as the lead organ figure in Forgive Them, Lord. Have a listen and judge for yourself. Forgive them, Lord, for they don't know just what they do. Forgive them, Lord, for they don't know just what they say. Oh, no. Some say the Father, the Father's dead and gone. Why, Lord, I say, 
Though Jamaica is far from a remake of Forgive Them, Lord, there are some pretty clear melodic similarities. Van Pelt shared in the article that he spent an afternoon with B.B. Seaton in 2007, and without mentioning the Zeppelin connection, asked Seaton about the release date of Forgive Them, Lord, and that Seaton said without pause that it was, quote, written in 1970 and recorded in 1971. I asked him if he knew Jamaica, and he said he'd never heard of it and never knowingly listened to Led Zeppelin. Van Pelt states, and I agree, that if it weren't for Led Zeppelin's demonstrated propensity to appropriate musical expressions, he'd be more inclined to call this one a stretch and forgive them, like the song says. Though there is very little online, other than Van Pelt's post about the connection between Jamaica and Forgive Them, Lord, it's possible that a great yet obscure reggae song may have factored into Zeppelin's attempt at the most cod reggae song of all time. During this series, I'll be taking a deep dive into well-known and obscure cod reggae tracks, including Dreadlock Holiday by 10CC, Bella Lugosi's Dead by Bauhaus, and more. If you've listened and received some value from this episode, then please help support the podcast for as little as $3 per month on Patreon. Supporters get access to exclusive content like special episodes of this series and advanced promo chapters from my book, Ska Boom and American Ska and Reggae Oral History. Just go to patreon.com backslash Ska Boom Podcast for more information. Take care, and thanks for listening. <laughs>